From the dress code to the moral code, society standards are becoming dangerously casual. Has this decline impacted how you express love? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah considers this trend in light of 1 Corinthians 13, which says love should not be unseemly or rude. From The Power of Love, here's David to introduce today's timely message, Love's Power Over Rudeness. I don't know about you, but perhaps this last year I have said this more often than I can ever remember having said it in a period of time, and that is, that was really rude. What is the matter with that person? Do you see how rude that was? Rudeness has become a part of our post-COVID culture, and it's not very pretty. And it certainly doesn't belong um, on the list of any virtues of a Christian. That's why when we read the Bible, it straightens us out in a hurry. And 1 Corinthians 13 reminds us that if you have the agape love of Christ flowing through your spiritual veins, you cannot be a person of rudeness. And uh, if you have a little tendency to be rude, if you um, like to scold other people for things you see in their life, if you're the kind of person who bites another person's head off when they do something that offends you, you need to stay tuned because today we're going to talk about that in this lesson. It's a one-day discussion. Love's power over rudeness. Don't forget that you can get a copy of our beautiful calendar for 2024. Uh, Remember, we do this in September because the calendar is a 14-month calendar that actually begins in November. And uh, if you order it in September, that gives us uh, the time to get it to you. It's a little bit larger than normal things that are mailed, so it's a little more difficult to get where you are. But we go after it with a diligent approach, and you will have this before the month of November. Then you'll be able to start filling in all of the details on your calendar as you approach the holidays and be ready to move with a with a joyous uh, excitement as you move into uh, 2024. The calendar is beautiful. The theme of the calendar is the unchanging promises of God. Beautiful photography. You know what they're like if you've gotten one in the past. These are beautiful calendars, and we hope you'll get your copy of it, and you can do that. You can initiate that process today when you send a gift to Turning Point and simply say, please send me the new calendar, and it will be on its way to you. You'll have it in plenty of time for it to be very useful to you at the end of the year and going into 2024. Your gift to Turning Point helps us do what we do to make sure the Word of God continues to be spread around the world. Here is the discussion of rudeness from 1 Corinthians 13. Maribel Morgan has a book called The Electric Woman. In one of the chapters in her book, she has a little section called The Evolution of a Marriage. And she is trying to illustrate to the people who have been married over a period of time how easy it is for us to forget the common kindnesses and courtesies with which we treat one another. And so in this section of the book, she has asked if we are married to think back to our honeymoon, then if we've made it thus far to consider the one-year anniversary, and then if we're still hanging in there to take a look at the five-year, 10-year, or 15-year mark. And she put together a little chart in her book to try to describe what she called the evolution of a marriage. Now, if I read it correctly, it's more the devolution of a marriage than the evolution of a marriage. And under those three categories, she has put descriptive terms to describe the marriage at that particular stage of growth. 
For instance, under the honeymoon, romantic restaurant, under one year later, Wendy's. <laughs> Ten years later, TV dinners. <laughs> under the honeymoon, late night pizza. One year later, late night feedings. Ten years later, late night fights. <laughs> under the honeymoon, exotic travel. One year later, driving to the shopping center. <laughs> Ten years later, reading National Geographic. <laughs> Honeymoon, sizzle. One year later, piddle. Ten years later, fizzle. <laughs> Under the honeymoon, sweet, soft nothings. One year later, sweet nothings. Ten years later, nothings. <laughs> Under the honeymoon, passion. Under one year later, apathy. Under ten years later, atrophy. <laughs> and then she tried to pick out a television program to sort of symbolize each stage of marital growth. Under the honeymoon, the newlywed game. One year later, family feud. Ten years later, the gong show. <laughs> well, Maribel has a way of saying things that nobody else says. But what she's trying to point out, I'm sure, is this, that if we are not careful, the way that we treat one another in the early stages of a relationship can deteriorate until the very common courtesies that we would afford even a stranger are lost and missing from our homes, our families, even within the context of our churches. We have zeroed in on Paul's description of agape love. We begin, first of all, to discuss in the early verses of the chapter how love is superior and has a priority over all other things. That certain things that we hold to be significant, if they are minus love, are worthless. Even such things as martyrdom and benevolence, if they are not coupled with love, are no value to God or to mankind. And then we began to discuss the characteristics of true love. And we pointed out that beginning with the list, Paul begins by talking about the two major characteristics of agape love, long-suffering patience and kindness. Just about everything else we say from 1 Corinthians 13 can fall under the heading of those two characteristics. But because he wanted to be sure we did not misunderstand this love for the world's cheap imitation, Paul begins in the next section to give us eight characteristics which are negatives that do not fit into God's picture of love. In other words, eight things that love is not, eight characteristics that are not mixable with agape love. I've thought about calling them love's destroyers or the enemies of love. And today we come to the third of the things which love is not. It says love does not behave itself unseemly. And we pass right on thinking, my, isn't that beautiful, but we don't know what it means. And in essence, I guess I'm telling you by the title of today's message that what it means is this. Love is not rude. 
If the opposite of jealousy and envy is contentment, and the opposite of pride and arrogance is humility, the opposite of rudeness is courtesy. Love is courteous. Now the root word for unseemly, which is found here in the Greek text, is our English word scheme or schematic. It literally refers to the shape of something. The King James Version says it does not behave itself unseemly. And we have come to understand that phrase to mean it acts with tact or with etiquette. But the literal translation is that love is not without shape. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in verse 23, we have the word translated a different way. And we read, and of those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, there it is, the uncomely members, the members without shape, without substance, the ones who on the outside don't portray themselves all that well. The word is also used in a much more serious context in Romans 1.27, where it is used to describe the conduct of a man having sexual intercourse with another man. And Paul says that is uncomely, that is unseemly, that is not in the shape of God's perfect picture. It's out of context, it's out of phase, it's not right. Revelation chapter 16 and verse 15, the word is translated by the word shame. So to be unseemly or uncomely means to be without shape, to act in shame, and literally the word has come down to us now to mean to act rudely, to act without courtesy, without common concern for the other person. We have all seen it, have we not? Have you ever seen someone who just seems to do the wrong thing at the right time? Out of scheme, out of plan, out of context. Someone who laughs in times of sorrow. <laughs> or, or someone who rebukes when he should be encouraging. Or someone who shouts when he's talking with only one person. They are just out of scheme, out of context. They're rude. Paul says, agape love is never rude. It is always courteous. William Barclay translates the phrase, love does not behave gracelessly. Love is gracious, and graciousness should begin with fellow believers, but it should not end there. A lot of Christians that you and I know have forfeited their opportunity for witnessing by rudeness to an unbeliever. Sometimes with the idea that they're being an aggressive evangelist, I can remember experiences where we had young men who were so excited to be witnesses and they thought it was like being a salesman. And they would go out into a home and they would bludgeon people into the kingdom of God. I had one family call me up and say, I'm not exactly sure what it was he wanted me to do, but he was so insistent and so rude and so aggressive that we finally did it. I think we got saved. And you know what I'm talking about. People who just don't seem to know how to handle themselves in the situation, they're rude. And of course, when Paul wrote this, he was writing it to the Corinthians, and boy, did they need the message. The Corinthian context of his instruction is very clear. The Corinthian Christians were models of unbecoming behavior. Acting unseemly was almost their trademark. I mean, that's what they were known for. Nearly everything they did was rude and unloving. 
Even when they came together to celebrate the Lord's Supper, they were self-centered and offensive. And it says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-one that each one took his own supper first, and one was hungry and another was drunk. That's unseemly conduct. During worship services, they all tried to speak at once. One would stand up with a word of knowledge and another to speak in tongues. And everyone talked at once and tried to be the most dramatic and the most prominent. The church did everything improperly and in disorder. And Paul wrote to them and said, if you have love, you will not be rude. You will be courteous. And as I've examined the concept of courtesy, which I've never studied before necessarily with this whole thing in mind, it seems to me that there are three areas that the Spirit of God would zero into our hearts about what it means to be courteous and to understand courtesy as a response of the loving heart. And I'd like to suggest to you, first of all, that courtesy is love's symmetry. In the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians and the very last verse, there's a little phrase that describes it. It says, let all things be done decently and in order. It has to do with things being done in context, things being done symmetrically. Someone has written that this word describes the eternal fitness of things. It speaks of the best way. The perfect good being done in the best way to do it. And it seems to me that it's kind of the glue that holds all of the other characteristic traits together. Courtesy, the opposite of rudeness, is the characteristic in our Christian life that keeps us from getting out of perspective. For instance, have you ever known anyone whose commitment to honesty was not in tension with their love? Oh, I have known folks like that. Usually they say something along these lines. Well, I'm just straightforward and honest, that's all. I'm just the kind of person that when something needs to be said, boy, I say it. That's the kind of person I am. And they do it in pride. It's good to be honest. It's good to be straightforward. But courtesy, the word we're studying today, will always make sure that that characteristic is kept in context with the other virtues of sensitivity and love and concern. Whenever you see someone who's standing up and saying, I speak my mind, I speak the truth, and let everybody know exactly what I'm thinking, you can mark it down. They haven't walked through this passage yet. Because a person who has God's kind of love does not love unseemingly, out of shape. Sometimes our candor gets away from our sympathy. You see, courtesy is love's symmetry. It holds all of the other virtues together and keeps one from running away with the other. It makes sure that what we do that is good is done in a good way. Someone that I read wrote these words, There is so much awkward piety, so much blundering goodness, so much unattractive sanctity, so much unlovely religion. And courtesy is the answer to that problem. It's just a common, simple thing. But courtesy is not only love's symmetry, courtesy is love's simplicity. You know, it's it's almost so simple we pass over it. Most of us get into the large, huge, loving things. And I think that's what Paul was talking about back in the first part of the chapter when he went through all of these magnanimous things that can be ours. Martyrdom, 
giving our money to God, all of these things. Courtesy is not the big, huge love involvement. Courtesy is love in little things. Courtesy is the simplicity of love. You know, you can take the most untutored persons and put them into the highest society, and if they have a reservoir of this kind of love, they will not behave themselves unwisely. You take a person that's committed to God's kind of love, as simple as he may be, and put him in any situation, and he will know what to do, and he will be accepted. I remember reading that Carlyle said of Robert Burns that there was no truer gentleman in Europe than the plowman poet. It was because he loved everything, the mouse and the daisy and all things great and small that God had made. So with this simple passport, he could mingle with any society and enter courts and palaces from his little college and be accepted. I've known people like that. You know, they don't necessarily have the right clothes. Maybe don't know all the right words to say and, and do all the right things, but because of their simplicity and their easiness with people and their ability to enter into the conversation, they seem to be accepted in any strata of society. That's the simplicity of love, just to be simple, basic people. You know, it does make a difference when you love someone about the little things, doesn't it? If we love someone, if we're really committed to someone, we will go out of our way to do the little loving things that nobody else would ever think to do. When we love someone, we put that person uppermost in our thoughts and our actions. We do little things for others in a way that is genuine to prove our love. Love does not behave in a discourteous manner, but greed does and selfishness does and fear does, but love does not. Love thinks about little ways to express itself, and courtesy is love in the little things. Courtesy is distilling love down to the common everyday acts that we do to express our affinity for other people. Courtesy is not only love symmetry and love simplicity, but courtesy is thirdly love's sensitivity. And I think this may be the most important of all. The one who allows the love of Christ to control him is not hard or harsh or crude or rude. He is not rough and tough, but he is gentle. While the word courteous in the English language originally came from the word court, and it suggested the manners which prevailed in the palaces of kings and of queens, eventually it came to mean consideration for other people. Courteous. It is not tactless. It is concern for others. It says the proper thing at the proper time in the loving way. It is not like sandpaper or a red-hot iron in conversation. It always knows how to handle even the difficult situations. You see, love, courteous love, is sensitive to where the other person is, where they're coming from, what their context is, what their situation is. It's understanding where they are and then identifying with where they are and making your communication come out of that identification. What a difference that would make, even in the body of Christ. We all come from such various and different contexts that as Christian people, even when we disagree, we ought to know how to do it without being rude, without being discourteous. 
One thing you can be sure of whenever that displays itself, even in our midst, at our business meetings or in our church, back behind it is not agape. Back behind it is the self-centered working of the old flesh displaying itself. And that's why sometimes when those things happen, I grieve. I don't grieve because I may be the object of someone's wrath or because some program that we may wish to get through doesn't get through. I grieve because in the display of one's person in public, they have given themselves away for who they really are. And it's sad. And it hurts. Love is courteous. Love is sensitive. Love cares about the other person. As you think about your own spirit, here are some questions for you to ask. Do you snub or ignore others? Do you respond with a grunt when spoken to? Are you sensitive to the needs and feelings of other people? Are you courteous to others even if they don't fit into your plans? Do you do the little things that make it easier for other folks? Do you crowd in front of others in line? Are you gentlemanly? Do you open the door for your wife, for your sister? Oh, that's really a test. For your mother, for your girlfriend? Do you stand in the presence of women? Do you know the social graces that lift you above the average run-of-the-mill person who's never learned? Isn't it a sad thing that most Christians fall far beneath the concept of etiquette that the highly polished people in the world have come to take for granted? Many Christian people, if they're introduced into that world even for a small moment, are so out of place in terms of the most normal and natural graces that are expected between human beings because we have not taught ourselves how to be courteous. Basically what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians as he wraps that word into our hearts is this. Love has good manners. Love is courteous. Love is not rude. Can I ask you as you meditate on these thoughts to replay some of the recent tapes that play back in your mind? Your conversation with your wife or your husband, some of you are right now under such conviction. How effectively did you communicate the truth is not really the issue. All of us can get our point across, but you see there are two levels of communication. One is carried by the words themselves, and the other is carried by the whole context in which those words are communicated. There are two levels of communication. The overt communication and the subliminal communication that comes through our attitudes and our heart, our body language, and the very spirit with which those words are conveyed. You may say all of the right things and say them in exactly the right way, but the rest of the communication process gives you away. And so we need to examine ourselves before God. Is our love rude or is it courteous? And when we find out the answer, the good news is the only reason God ever communicates any of this to us is not so he can put us under a load of guilt and conviction, but so that he can show us a better way. And this is the better way. May God help us to apply it to our own hearts. You know, I was with someone recently who has a rude personality. 
And I remember telling my wife at the end of that day, you know what the sad thing is? This guy doesn't even know it. He's like that. His self-awareness is missing. Uh, it's bad to be rude and know it, and then you feel bad about it. It's even worse to be rude and not even aware of it. The Bible tells you when you fill your heart with the love of Christ and you begin to see people not as objects for you to be angry at, but people that need to be loved through the grace of God, everything changes. Love's power over rudeness. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about selfishness, how we can learn to be other than ourselves people, how we can introduce the word we into our conversation more often. I hope you'll join us then. In the meantime, don't forget, we're going to the Caribbean in December. If you haven't checked that out, go to davidjeremiah.org. There you will find everything you need to know about our uh, time together in December. I hope you'll join us tomorrow. See you then. This is David Jeremiah. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, The Power of Love, Please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of our aspiring 14-month calendar for 2024. Focused on God's enduring faithfulness, the unchanging promises of God. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions, available in your choice of handsome cover options. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, The Power of Love, on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Christmas will be here before you know it. So now is the time to prepare your heart with a timeless devotional written by Dr. David Jeremiah called Season of Joy. Enter the Christmas season with restored hope, resounding joy, reassuring peace, and renewed faith. This inspirational book is yours for a gift of any amount in support of Turning Point. And for a gift of $100 or more, you'll receive a four-pack to share the season of joy with others. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible, drawing on more than 40 years of study by Dr. David Jeremiah. Take your personal Bible study deeper with unique introductions to each book of the Bible. 55 full-page articles exploring the essential themes of the Christian life. 8,000 study notes with insightful and practical content, an extensive cross-reference system, and helpful sidebars that extend to topics beyond the study notes. You can also take advantage of online resources available to you at jeremiahstudybible.com. Great for individual or small group studies, this Bible is available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print with several cover options. For more information or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. A tourist visited a beautiful estate in Switzerland. He met the aged caretaker of the estate and complimented him on the immaculate condition of the gardens. The tourist was surprised to learn that the owner of the estate had visited only four times in the many years the caretaker had been employed. 
When the tourist asked why the caretaker kept the estate so beautifully cared for, he replied, because the owner might appear for a visit today. That's exactly how we should feel about the second coming of Christ. Our lives should be lived with the expectation that Jesus might return today. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's way to be ready for Christ's return on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Route 66, start your journey home today.